Welcome to the Intentional Parenting Podcast. My name is France Taillard. I am a mom and parenting coach. I coach moms how to consciously parent their child and reparent themselves using human design and other tools. Each week, I bring you a message to guide you on this journey we call parenting. Why? Because it is one of my biggest skills and talents in life as a 3-5 Sphinx projector is to be a problem solver. I experience many different things and situations and I use that experience to guide you to find creative solutions to your challenges. My goal is to guide you to experience a deep authentic connection with yourself and your child. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today we have a really special guest with us. Amanda Evans is joining us today. So, welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of like the work that you do and why you focus on uh play a lot in your work. So, I am a master coach, which I like to say a master coach meets Mary Poppins. <laughs> So I work with families. I work with both parents and children through coaching and play-based healing. And play is just it's it's huge. To me it's everything actually. Um and there's a lot of reasons, but if I'm going to try to give the shortest, deepest, most heartfelt version, um play was a huge game changer in my own life and personal healing and if you hear my dog barking in the background I apologize. <laughs> um I personally went through like quite an awakening and healing journey when I was in my early 20s. Um and I actually had a brain injury. And so I really learned that there were some parts of me that felt like I needed to get everything perfect. And so having a brain injury was the ticket to really being imperfect. <laughs> and I needed to learn how to love myself and learn with my new brain. Um but I went through this massive journey of getting to know all of me and learning about neuroplasticity. So I talk about play as opposed to this fancy term neuroplasticity as a way to heal, heal our brain, heal our body, heal our relationships, and especially as a way to help parents regulate and co-regulate and develop better, clearer communication and to really connect. So, it was huge in my own healing journey, but it's also huge just in my daily life because we all are regulating all of the time and <laughs> we could all use easier and simpler ways to do that. Yeah, and play is so important for children but as well for ourselves so I love that and so many people feel like they need to be perfect so learning yes. how to love yourself and in an imperfect way is really beautiful but okay so now that you mentioned neuroplasticity so I love play but I didn't quite ever put the dot of neuroplasticity with play so can you expand on that a little bit like can you share ways that parents can use this awareness to help their children with you know big feelings big moments emotional moments or what not i would be happy to simplify it i feel like simplifying concepts is always fun um and i do this with an example so neuroplasticity i will define it first is it's really the brain's ability to change and also heal itself and if we think of our like brain 
as like a road. The more we do something, the more we build this like pathway in our brain that it's like, okay, this happens. This is the response. We're going to keep going around that same path. Like if you drive the same path to get to your child's school every day, your brain is used to going on that path. Whereas when we are changing a pattern, a habit, a way of being, we're actually creating like a new map, a new roadway in our brain. So this is a more like sciencey version, but I'm going to explain it differently because we don't even need to know that to understand how to help our children and ourselves when we keep having very repetitive, big emotions or ways of being that really don't feel like they're serving us. So I like to talk about neuroplasticity and think of there's either something that's fixed, that's unchangeable or something that can change. So I will demonstrate this by talking about a personal life experience and then I'll dive into the fun example. So when I had a brain injury, I was told that my brain couldn't heal and that all of my symptoms would stay the way they are. That's very fixed. That's not the idea of neuroplasticity in terms of the brain can change, rewire and heal itself. So this idea of neuroplasticity, I think of like plastic. It means your brain's plastic. It means something's not fixed and it's changeable. And I think that everything's changeable. Nothing is fixed. So think of like Play-Doh and like Play-Doh, you can move, you can shape it. And I want you to see it as something that can be fun. So if I'm breaking neuroplasticity down to something that's human and relatable, I oftentimes share the example of my favorite movie, which is The Sound of Music. And if you've ever seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, it's a movie where basically Julie Andrews plays this governess who's like a nanny to a family. And there's this one scene where the kids are super scared and they're scared because there's a storm. And so they all come into her room and what they end up doing is the perfect example of neuroplasticity. First they come in and she just greets them compassionately, gentle, and basically tells them a story of what she does when she's scared. And she starts singing this song. It's the My Favorite, my favorite Thing song. So it's like, when the dog bites, <laughs> when the, I don't even remember the song as I'm saying it now. When I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things and then I don't feel so bad. And in her sharing her favorite things, the fear in the children starts to get smaller. This is an example of actually rewiring their brain and their nervous system of shifting from this constant fearful state and fight or flight to feeling calmer, feeling safer and finding connection in the moment. And that actually creates a new loop of what they expect next time that fear presents itself in their life or next time they have that big scared feeling. So I think this is the best example of neuroplasticity because it's relatable. When your child has really big emotions or tantrums or feelings, you greeting them in a similar way of being like, hey, that's totally normal. That can come up. Do you want to share it with me? What are you feeling? 
when you can greet them with that same compassion and gentleness and the safe space, the, the feeling, the emotional response itself gets smaller and the part of the brain and the nervous system gets calmer knowing that that's okay. And using fun or using play and maybe singing about your favorite things or going and playing your favorite things or connecting with a parent and a child and co-regulating in that moment, that is neuroplasticity in action. And that is play healing the nervous system and rewiring the brain. Hmm. I love that. I never like, I teach those things, but I never quite put it in that sense. <laughs> so it's really beautiful to see. Um, and it's interesting, you brought up a lot of interesting points here. But yeah, fight or flight, like we are, we have been, there's always been stress in our lives, but the last two years have been insane. And it's trickling down to our kids. I've had many clients over the last two years that have kids as little as one and a half that are just like frozen in fear because of all that we've imposed onto them, right? And just over the last 24 hours, I've had two clients where, yeah, you could see that the reason that their child's behavior is gone crazy is because they don't feel safe (laughs) and you don't feel safe when you're in that fight or flight so it this is really important work yeah the a key thing though for us to be able to greet our children with compassion and in that loving way is we need to do our own inner child healing so let's talk about that I love that you're bringing this up because it's everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So inner child healing, I feel like it's like a big term out there right now, just like human design. (laughs) Like Everyone is like inner child's human design right now. Um, But it really does start there because parents are either the safe space for their child or they're the dysregulation that the child is feeding off of. And it's not always one or the other two. It can be moments of dysregulation and then becoming more regulated and safe, and that's human. But we often can only give what we've personally experienced ourselves. So this idea of the inner child is it's, it's interesting because the inner child is that, that part of us that remembers our own childhood. And there can be two sides to the inner child. There can be the wounded inner child who might not have had certain needs met, who might have been bullied, who might have had trauma, whether it's big T trauma or little T trauma. And that can really cause a lot of dysregulation and like the unknown ability to have our needs met. Or that can translate to if you're a parent who has a very wounded inner child, parenting a child from those wounds and not being able to meet your child's needs because you never knew how to get your needs met yourself as a child. And I also want to stress the other part of the inner child because I don't think this part gets enough attention sometimes. (laughs) It's like the magical inner child who is playful, who is the essence of who you are, who like knows Your birthright is joy and love and play and enoughness and just being you. And I think sometimes in this work of healing the inner child, we forget about that. We like meet it and greet it like the serious (laughs) grownups that we are of like trying to get to the bottom of the healing when connecting 
through play or through the language of the inner child, which really is play, can be a really big gateway to heal while also learning how to meet the needs that weren't met. And I just want to bring back to your Sparkle Time journal because I actually, I'm, I was in a program to be a master coach and someone asked for a resource to help their client through inner child healing. And me being the playful master coach that I am, I recommended your journal. And I say that because I think someone could use it to connect with their own inner child as opposed to their actual child, to both connect with their needs of the wounded parts, the wounded inner child that feels hurt and doesn't have all their needs met, but also connecting to the magical, playful parts of their inner child. And this is like the whole self. And if parents can both have the hurt held and heard for and understood and integrated while also being the parts of them that are their true essence and self, then they're going to be able to meet the needs of their children to be more compassionate and receptive and connected to them because they have their needs met and they're also in touch with their joy and their desires. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. And I want to go back to what you said about like you're either your child's safe space or a place for dysregulation, but you can also be both. Yeah. I think most of us don't want to, we, we want to be the safe place, right? But we don't realize that it's not that easy because our children trigger a lot of wounds inside of us. And again, like you yeah. said, it can be the little T or the big T trauma, but there's... Yeah. I don't know there. I don't think there's many of us that had all of our needs met and we don't right. even know how to meet our own needs. So how are we supposed to meet the the needs of our children? Right? So this is important work. If we desire to be the parent we intended to be before we became pregnant <laughs> or before we had a family. Yeah. It's big work. And yeah, the sparkle time journal, I mean, I still use it every single night and it helps me reflect on on the day and it helps me figure out okay what work what didn't work what can we do different tomorrow what parts do you know when she goes with her dad what parts do I need to dive deeper into healing myself what needs do I need to meet for myself and it just allows me to be that intentional parent that I desire to be I love that so much and I love that you like use the word desire too because is like the parents desire to be a safer space and to show up for our stuff <laughs> it's like there and we're not feeling regulated that like is what's going to allow those moments and opportunities but also like welcoming the human moments and I love that you just do that and speak to that so well yeah, I think parts of it is understanding my human design and I'm a three five profile. So that's how I learn. I learn through experience and my like how I grow and how I'm able to teach others is to reflect on it <laughs> and uh, and then figure out, you know, tools around it and be creative with with solutions. So it's very helpful for anyone who's a third third line profile <laughs> in human design um and everyone else as well but us we thrive on it as well okay so fight or flight we talked about stress a lot can we expand on that a little bit um in your book so you have a book coming out soon and we'll talk about it shortly but you said something like fight or flight to stay in play so it's so can you 
Yeah, that's, that is a whole chapter in my book. And I'm not going to take credit for the wording of that because as I was in this period of my life where I was like deeply healing, but also reconnecting to my joy as a big part of what was healing me. Um, I had a YouTube ad come on and it was actually Emily Fletcher, who's an author who has, she's the CEO and founder of Ziva Meditation. And it was this random video that she was promoting one of her courses, I think. And she talked about this idea from fight or flight to stay in play. Um, and it wasn't in the context that I use it. I think it was actually a course about like more pleasure and sex. <laughs> so, so it wasn't the same thing, but it was a click moment for me of what my own philosophy is around what helps me get better. And I, I'm going to give the context of I was a child who, like, I didn't see this then. I was very empathetic and sensitive, and I could always tell what everyone was feeling. So now that I see it and looking backwards, I was, like, highly prone to fight or flight because I wanted to control. I didn't understand this as a child, but I understand this from my own healing now. And some of the like protection mechanisms that I built that I talk about this in my book were like people pleasing and performing mm -hmm. and perfectionism was a big one for me. And this can totally pop up in our kids, especially if they're really intuitive and sensitive. And, and I'm sure there's more on this in their human design too. Um, but knowing these things sometimes can help us understand that like sensitive children who pick up on a lot can be more prone to actually like processing differently in their brain, but also being more reactive to being in fight or flight or being affected by a dysregulated parent or a dysregulated teacher or someone who's just really not feeling regulated and is not a safe space. Um, so that was a big part of my journey. But what I learned was my way of healing for a long time had been very perfectionistic of like, I need to be the perfect patient. I need to do the protocol, right? I need to like do all of the things. And that in itself actually kept me stuck in fight or flight. So I talk about that because I feel like that can happen when we're on a healing path. And sometimes what we need is actually a completely different approach that is like slower, compassionate, playful, something that gets us out of that like default pattern and way that our nervous system actually gets more stressed out about and into possibility. Um, but I want to break down the nervous system for anyone who's like not nerdy about this stuff. <laughs> Because some of us are and some of us may be new to this. What I learned about the nervous system um, is that there are two parts of the nervous system. And I often like if you can think of a like a switch, you either turn the light on or you turn the light off. When we're in fight or flight, that's when our switch is in the sympathetic nervous system. So we can either be in the sympathetic nervous system, which is, and I'm going to say it a particular way with my voice so you understand, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn is another word, which is people pleasing. When we're in that reactionary place, that's the sympathetic nervous system. Now, if you are flipping the switch on your light, which is your nervous system here, 
we have the parasympathetic nervous system. And I'm slowing that down so you can hear what that feels like in your nervous system. When we're in the parasympathetic nervous system, we feel calm. We actually can hear possibilities. And this is often also called rest, digest. And it's where our body can heal itself. So one thing I learned is that when I was overdoing and overfixing and doing all of the things, my body actually couldn't get into parasympathetic, which is how it would heal itself. And when it comes to parenting, the priority is to learn about your own nervous system and do your best to get into parasympathetic as much as you can. When you notice that like you're feeling fried, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling stressed. It's like, what can you do to slow down even just with your voice, even just with your breathing or do something playful just for the joy of being and doing it or even playing with your child to get yourself into that parasympathetic state. Because when you're in that state, you're actually going to be able to access your brain more. So something that can happen is when we're in constant sympathetic, in constant fight or flight, we have troubles thinking. We have troubles remembering. That's when like brain fog can happen when we're constantly hitting like this, this space, which like more cortisol and adrenaline and norepinephrine and all of these neurochemicals can be released if we're always in this fight or flight state. Whereas when we're playful and breathing deeper and calmer, and that can happen when we're playing or in our present state, we can actually slow down enough to hear solutions that we need, to communicate with the people in our life, whether it's your child or your partner, but you can communicate in a way that you feel heard or you can be that safe space for someone else. And so I try, these are big concepts I know, but I, I try to simplify it. And that's really what I did in my book um, of even if we can just take a moment to help you feel this for yourself, because I'm also an experiential learner where I'm like, if there's a concept, it doesn't fully make sense until I feel it myself. And I'm going to just do a quick activity so that you can feel it. I want you to just pause. I want you to remember a birthday party that you were at when you were little, where you had so much fun, you felt super connected, you loved your friends or the activity that you were doing. And so I'm just giving this, this example, but like even me this week, I have a birthday coming up and I somehow started thinking about my 10th birthday party, um, which is always a memory that I go to because we did karaoke and I loved that pizza was always a part of birthday parties when I was little. But I'm giving this example as I just went there in my heart and in my mind, but by leaning into the energy of play, I was able to get there really quickly, but I also could tap into my parasympathetic nervous system. And if you're stressed and triggered by your child, giving you 
on your own to listen to a song, to dance, to sing, to do something playful, or even just go meditate or breathe, that helps you get into the parasympathetic nervous system. It helps you regulate. Then you're going to be more present and patient and able to hear them or speak to them in a calm, loving way. But another way is you can actually pause and, and play with your child, get connected first before you try to resolve a conflict or hear them better or anything that you and your child are actually trying to do. Because if you're in fight or flight and they're in fight or flight, you're just going to butt heads. But if you're both able to regulate by doing something connecting and playful, you're going to be more able and willing to talk things through and to hear each other's needs and also to meet your own so you can then meet your child's. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. <laughs> but I think the key message is also, so a lot of work that I do is to get parents into the parasympathetic nervous system. I love that. Yeah, for a lot of the reasons that you said, because when we, we are in fight or flight, solutions are not as readily available to us. We think there's, there's only one solution and that's it. We see nothing else, right? So yeah, we're going to naturally butt heads with our kids. But if we think about it, our kids are fighting us, they're trying to fix something, they're fawning yes. or whatever, right? You said before. Then it's like, they're also in their sympathetic nervous yeah. system. So then we go and we react to them. We become the fighter. We become the fixer. We become whatever. So we're both in this sympathetic nervous system. And we're both fighting against each other and nothing gets resolved, right? So yeah, I, I guide parents how to regulate themselves so that they can go into the parasympathetic system, just like you do. And because it's one of the most amazing things, like I've talked about this recently a lot, is like, we all want our kids to learn how to self-regulate, but we don't even know how to do it ourselves. <laughs> like it just simply doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah so true. So, and it's interesting, you were talking about your, um, I don't know if you want to say attributes or whatever, like as a child, like you were, you would go into people pleasing and performing and all those things. So it, it brought to me, like, to my attention that it's, it's important, like for some, sometimes we can feel like our kids, the kids that want to fix it all, they're like, it's okay, mom, it's okay, mom, you're the best mom, don't worry, it didn't hurt my feelings that you did this XYZ, or like, they try to fix, 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 those children are actually super anxious, and they're very much in their sympathetic nervous system, right, they're very much into fight or flight, so we, we think, oh, my child is so kind and loving and easy, because they're always, like, making me feel so good about myself, but yet they actually have a lot of anxiety. So it's important that we take a step back and look at like, Ooh, what's going on here? And, you know, doing all the, the inner child healing, going into the parasympathetic and um, finding a way to meet their needs so that they can get out of that um, fight or flight mode themselves. I love that you brought that up. And like, I don't think parents always think about it that way as you could have a child who seems like they're good but they could be anxious and appear calm. Yeah. 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 And our, anyways, yeah, I went to a workshop this week and it was, it was interesting because it was talking about highest values and it was not related to parenting our children. It was just, mm -hmm. you know, self-development kind of thing. 
And um, the presenter, I'm probably not doing it, repeating it properly, but he said something like, if you want to understand mental health in a nutshell, it's because we all have our own unique highest values, okay? Mm-hmm. And the top three to five, if we don't do them regularly and we're replacing our highest values and bringing in highest values of others, right? So meaning we have these desires as parents, we want our kids to do X, Y, Z. We've been forcing them to do a bunch of stuff they don't want to do, they don't value over the years. And so there, and then the mental health issues are going up and it's like, well, it's no wonder (laughs) they're not doing what, they're just, they're living somebody else's lives. They're living somebody else's values and it's not aligned with them. And then they're getting all sorts of um, mental health challenges and, um, you know, really being stuck in that fight or flight mode, which is not great. And then we try to fix the problem without addressing the need and it grows and grows and grows. <laughs> wow. I love that angle too around the values. That That's so true. Yeah. It was a very interesting workshop. Um, but yeah. So before we, we leave each other today, I'd like to know, so you talked about um, where that inspiration for the fight or flight to stay in play came from and you brought in play and compassion and slowing down and sex so it's actually interesting so I found that the more inner child healing that I've done the more I'm able to do those things because if you were to tell me a number of years ago to like you know I don't know enjoy playing I'd be like yeah no that's that's not a thing right or if you tell me like enjoy sex I'd be like "Mm, no too many wounds there (laughs) but so how has like just a few example on how the inner child healing helped you in like unexpected ways helped you enjoy like the good stuff of in life in unexpected ways Hmm, that's such a good question and I'm like that part of my inner child that wants to get it right is like, I'm so unprepared. <laughs> you are. <laughs> For me, it's, it's, it's compassion um, for myself in moments where I feel triggered. Mm. And I also think it's like, I, I had such an aha moment the way you worded something is I was that child who appeared calm and cool and collected. And underneath that, I was deeply anxious and terrified. And so much of my inner child's healing has been actually feeling all of that and releasing the energy in my body. And a lot of my life, I didn't feel safe in relationships. Um, and, and it's, it's been a lot of emotional, like deep emotional healing that for me personally needs to be paired with fun and play. Um, and I think what it's allowed is it's just allowed embracing my humanness more and in turn embracing and allowing for other people to be human too. And I know that that's because such a deep like wound of my inner child was feeling deeply judged by everyone or being so scared of being judged or criticized that that's why I had this feeling like I needed to be perfect, get the great marks, be the nice girl, not make anyone upset. Um, And what a lot of my like healing and feeling and, and welcoming and the fun has allowed is for me to welcome making mistakes as great. (laughs) Welcoming my imperfections, but also learning that instead of like 
needing to achieve something or needing to get something, I hold space compassionately for my fear now. So because perfectionism is like, get it right, do it now. I'm like, actually, I've learned now that I can slow down. And even like sometimes before a podcast that like inner child fear will come up as I just want to get this right and get the words right. And it's so silly because I also am someone who channels that like I do say whatever <laughs> people are like curious, wanting to hear. But what I do now is instead of just bulldozing over that stuff, I'm like, hey, I hear you. I hear your fear. I hear your desire to like really show up as you and be real. And I can sit with the part of my inner child that has those patterns and not make any of it wrong, but I can be with her fear just like children need, like they need us to be with their fear and let them feel heard and seen, but then do the thing. So for me, I think it's been embracing of fear, but also the courage um, which I did not have as a child. I think I waited till everything was perfect. And I, I, like me as a child would never have pictured me doing the work I do now. And I think it's, it's because the inner child healing I've done, but a lot of that also had to do with doing the things I was scared of and not overprotecting the fearful part of me, but holding space for it and then doing it. That's beautiful. And you talked about mistakes and imperfect, like most people learn through mistakes. So yeah. it's only a mistake. We need to reframe that. And it's a huge, it's a huge advantage to our children when we are able to reframe that and stop saying that they're making mistakes and start yeah. learning and extracting the lessons from it. So yeah. It's beautiful well, learning. <laughs> pardon? It's beautiful learning. It's so beautiful learning, such beautiful learning. Yeah. Well, your book, Eat, Play, Love, is coming out in May, I believe you just told me. It is a beautiful yes. book. I got a chance to be an advanced reader for it and read multiple chapters. It is just a super easy read that you just kind of like don't want to put down because it's it's deep, deep work that you're sharing, but in, a, in a such a playful way. <laughs> so um, how can they get a hold of your book or... Um, coming forward so I'm happy to leave the link so they can actually go find it um but you can actually find it on my website so that's www.mindbodysoulmiracles.com um but I'll leave the link so they can go directly to the book and find out more about it perfect thank you so much for joining us today so much goodness I feel like we could have gone much deeper but we'll leave it at that for today thank you so much If you desire guidance from me every week, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and also follow me on Instagram or TikTok. I want to leave you with this quote. Great parenting happens when you start controlling yourself and stop controlling your child. Parenting is more about reparenting yourself as it is about parenting your child. This is a process. This is a journey and I am here to guide you one connection at a time. Thank you.